the gospel by itself and the Lord Jesus in obedience to him is worth my life. Mm -hmm. And he is so valuable and obedience to him is so valuable that you can forget yourself and lose yourself in obedience to Jesus. It's amazing. I get to have these podcast conversations with these pastors and see people that found Jesus to be worth their lives in little places that you wouldn't have heard about otherwise and get to sit down and have conversations with him in fellowship saying, yes, he's worth it. Welcome to the Small Town Summit Podcast, a ministry of small town summits that exists to encourage and equip small town pastors and lay leaders faithfully serving Jesus in small places. I am your host, Ben Whittinghill, and we have such a special treat today. It was a special treat for me. I hope that you guys are as enriched by this conversation as I was, but I had the privilege of having the Small Town Summit team all on one call, and we thought it would be a neat thing for you guys to get to hear the stories of some of the team that you may not know, and I think get to uh, be a part of the brotherhood that makes Small Town Summit what it is, or it can, helps give a vision for what we hope to see Jesus reproducing in the small towns of New England so that men and women stay encouraged in the gospel and are fueled by a brotherhood that is rich in fellowship from all the things that we have in common in Jesus. This is the last episode of season one. Looking forward to season two starting in late September. So enjoy this conversation with my brothers, David, Stephen, Ben, and Tim. Well, it's a privilege to welcome my bosses to the podcast. Gentlemen, good to, good to have you on. Hey, I'm particularly excited about getting Tim and Ben on here because uh, Stephen and, and David have blessed us with their presence before, but uh, Tim runs all of our articles and does much to, he's our, our pastor on the team. So you get to meet the pastor of the Small Town Summit team. And then Ben Rule secretly runs everything. Um, and Stephen and David are like just kind of the good looking figureheads. So Ben, it's a, it's a privilege to have the captain on. Uh, so people, and if Ben sounds more articulate than everyone else, he also edits the podcast. So just know that going, going in, uh, he, he's in charge of editing. So such a privilege to have the whole team on and we'll just see how this goes having a, a podcast episode with five different guys on it so hopefully we don't uh talk over each other too much and we can uh it's more than us just cracking jokes and hanging out but it's so fun to be on this team and the brotherhood's real so um looking forward to other people getting to listen in um i wanted to start though by you guys just introducing yourselves a little bit and sharing with people who you are uh, it's so valuable for people to um, have a personalization of who's actually on this team, who's behind uh, this ministry and the different ways that we serve, how you came to be a part of the ministry. So why don't we go around, you guys can introduce yourselves and share a little bit about um, your calling and even how you came to be on this team. And then I think it would be really interesting for you to share something about yourself that people wouldn't know from reading a bio on our website or something particular to you. So Stephen, let's start with you, the official boss. Uh, I have, I've been, as you said, I've been on the podcast before and I've shared uh, some of my story 
Yeah, I think the, our first episode, so I'm, I won't go into all that. But uh, so maybe can I just give a little bit, a tiny little bit about myself, and then I'd rather hear from the other guys. Um, I've been the, the pastor of one of the pastors of Pepperell Christian Fellowship in Pepperell, Massachusetts for a little over 13 years. And um, I'm married to Emma. We have three kids. And uh, the way I came to be involved in small town sums, I, I, I was having a conversation earlier today with a guy who is passionate about um, the developing world and sanitation, promoting sanitation in the developing world. And he said, as part of our conversation, he said, I'm, I'm just real passionate about this. And I feel like all the resources are going to the cities in Africa and almost nothing to the villages, the rural areas. And I just thought, I didn't say anything, but I just thought, you know, there's a, a close analogy there to what God was starting to stir in me several years ago. And I met this guy, David Pinckney, at a gathering of the Gospel Coalition New England. And he shared that same kind of passion. And it was out of a conversation on the second floor of Buckley's Bakery in Merrimack, New Hampshire, that the idea for gathering pastors and encouraging them was was birthed. something David Pinckney had been doing for years before. And the two of us got together and and thought about what it what it might mean to to do it in a way that encouraged conversation and collaboration that was summity <laughs> and uh, and so I, I I'm part of that leadership team because of finding a friend who shared a vision and actually our friendship was birthed in that conversation um, so the partnership and the friendship have grown up alongside each other I I think kind of at the core of small town summits is this um, this desire to cultivate connection and partnership and friendship. Um, not long ago, I think it was a month or two ago, I, I wrote an article for Desiring God about friendship and about how loneliness limits ministry. And I was thinking of the guys on this in this conversation as I wrote that. I I do feel like over the years. Um, especially early in my ministry, I was not very good at prioritizing friendship and I'm still very task oriented. And so I think uh, often relationships or partnerships, it's not where I, I first turn. And so in some ways, in spite of myself, I feel as though God has just given me this sweet partnership as, as part of this leadership team. Uh, so I just feel very grateful to God to be part of it. And I, I feel like, you know, at, at the core of a ministry should be an experience of the thing you're trying to commend to others. So I would feel pretty hollow if we were trying to do small town summits and uh, urge people to love each other and partner together and try to alleviate alleviate loneliness. And And there wasn't, we weren't actually enjoying being together. <laughs> we weren't in yeah, life-giving yeah. relationship with one another. So... I should probably follow up with that. Uh, I'm David Pinkney. I pastor River of Grace Church in Concord, New Hampshire. Um, I'm a second generation, like Stephen, of a rural pastor. My dad came to New Hampshire in 1965, and uh, I was two years old. And uh, as uh, God has called me to pastor, and I left New Hampshire after pastoring 10 years, and God called us back to plant a church. One of the things that has just hung in my sort of over me is like, why don't we see more in rural New England? Why? And, and so I remember that meeting very well, Stephen, where 
we're sitting with a lot of dear brothers in uh, the Gospel Coalition in Boston, and we kind of look around and go, this is really Boston. This is really Gospel Coalition of Boston, not Gospel Coalition of New England. And and then Stephen, with his gifts, um, immediately followed up, and we got together. And uh, I think as I sit here, uh, having pastor now 34 years, I'm just filled with so much hope for rural New England. Um, and the Small Town Summit provides um, sort of almost adrenaline shots to guys and, and girls who are, are serving Jesus in, in obscure places. And it's so thrilling. Um, and, and, and we still haven't figured out all how this will all play out, but it's so thrilling to sit in a room in Dexter, Maine, or in um, South Royalton, Vermont, or uh, in any of these rural places, and have a place filled with rural people who look around going, oh, I'm not alone in this, and then receiving for, uh, just receiving encouragement and good theological vision for rural New England. So it's just been a real blessing. Uh, was that, Stephen, was that 19, not 19, yeah, 2016? <laughs> yeah, it shows my age. <laughs> yeah, I think that was 2016 and, and yeah. then into 2017. Yeah. We were launching. And I, I, I am presently, I'm three quarters time hired by X29 uh, Church Playing Network to be their rural strategist, uh, which takes me around the globe. But um, one of the things I get to talk about is small town summits and how through just, just a simple brotherhood devoted to serving the broader rural community, God is doing stuff. So that's just just thrilling to me. Interesting fact about me, Sharon and I just visited Alaska. It's now our 50th state. We have now checked off 50 states and Alaska would be in go. our top five to re repeat. Yeah. That's incredible. Steven, you didn't give us an interesting fact. Yes. Um, I think one of the more interesting facts about me, some people know, many people don't. I am an identical twin. Um, mm -hmm. I have two brothers. One brother is Andrew and uh, he is uh, an American history professor at James Madison University. And it's just been very interesting. Our paths have diverged. We've not lived in the same place since we left home at age 18 to go to college. But we've also sort of run along parallel tracks, including his increasing interest in the last four or five years uh, on rurality. Uh, he has, he's written and is about to publish next year um, a, a major academic work on our hometown of Monson, Maine, population 700, published by the University of Massachusetts Press. And uh, it, he extensively interacts with all sorts of modern historical scholarship on rurality. It's just really fun to, to think about that together. Um, all right, Ben, you're the, you're the next one up on the team in the, in the ordering of things. So. I was the next hire. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, so, so my story is I, I grew up in Houston, Texas. I came uh, to New England uh, to go to Gordon-Conwell. Um, and during my time at Gordon-Conwell, I, uh, I did my internship in Pepperell with Stephen. And I know that for me and my wife, both of us, our hearts were for um, places where the gospel wasn't. So that's not necessarily small towns. We just wanted to go where we knew that there weren't necessarily other healthy gospel-believing, gospel-preaching churches. So Though I graduated seminary at 28 years old, and when you're 28, you don't have a lot of options as far as where you go. Um, I didn't necessarily feel called to church plant, um, didn't necessarily feel called to church revitalization either. And so I found a church here in Alton, New Hampshire, Be Free Community Church, that uh, was healthy and would have me. And so I came. It wasn't necessarily a passion for small towns. But I was at the first small town summit uh, in 
November 2017, and it was a small town seminar at that point. That's right. Cha- yeah, changed that's the name. Funny. She changed the name shortly after that. Yeah. Um, I think that that was really the start for me of starting to think about small town ministry specifically. And so, uh, yeah, over the last, gosh, four years now, four years, 12 events, I think. Um, and just getting to swim in these waters with you guys, it's been really eye-opening for me about not only uh, the value of being here in the small places, but the urgency of being in small places. I just think back to the Connecticut summit. I was just driving home lit up to what we get to do <laughs> through these summits and just seeing how there are some people in these small towns who are so faithful and so passionate for the gospel, but just never get um, never get, uh, never get the spotlight or not, or even get encouraged very well. Um, so thankful to be a part, part of that. Um, as far as an interesting fact about me, um, for a really good section of my life, late high school, all the way through college and a little bit beyond, man, one of my number one things to do in life was slackline. Slacklining was my identity for at least five or six years. So for people in David's generation, explain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, just yeah. help me here, Ben. What is what is mine, Ben? Okay, yeah. Slacklining is uh, it's tightrope walking between trees. Have you ever seen that? Yeah. So I got really into that, doing seeing how long I could go, trying to see what kind of jumps and tricks and bounces I could do on it. And so, for many years, that was my main go-to hobby. That's a skill that many pastors need. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, it comes in handy. <laughs> Hi, Tim. So, Mike. My background and calling, I'm the pastor of Northshire Baptist Church in Manchester Center, Vermont, and we've had the privilege of being here for six years, a little over six years actually now, and my wife Melanie and I have three kids, and just to give a little bit of my background, I grew up in a Christian home and in a small town, so I actually grew up in a town of 300 people. Uh, We used to say there's 294 when my family was out of town. Um, that's kind of how it was. And I don't think I realized until I started thinking more about small town ministry, how much that impacted me growing up. Uh, It definitely has an impact on you anywhere you grow up. Uh, But, you know, I left that small town like most college students do and went off to college and lived in bigger towns and cities. But I think it was part of why my wife and I were comfortable coming to and serving in a small town. Uh, Even though the town that we're in is not quite that small, we love small town life. And you know, going to the grocery store that you're gonna see somebody, if not 10 somebodies that you know, and and there's good and bad things about that. And uh, so we're, we're just grateful for the opportunities we have here. I grew up also in a small church. It was a church that had a lot of issues for sure. I mean, I look back and and it's not the kind of church culture that we're trying to build at Northshire Baptist Church, certainly, but they had the gospel right and it just had a huge impact on my life. It, it didn't always have, you know, the larger youth program or Sunday school program and some of those things, but the people that were involved in my life at that church had a huge impact on me and uh, really helped me grow in my walk with the Lord. And my grandparents were missionaries for over 40 years. They were actually home missionaries uh, part of that time, and then a pastor before that. And they were part of what the Lord used to call me 
into ministry. So just seeing their life and, and their desire to serve the Lord, sometimes in small places, the last 15 years of their ministry, they were in a small town outside of Salt Lake City, Utah. And it's difficult enough to do ministry uh, in an area that's so largely LDS, uh, but they were in a small town doing that ministry, uh, one of the only evangelical churches in that town. And the Lord used their example even to call us to Vermont. Mm -hmm. uh, we were thinking of why we would move to, to serve in Vermont. Uh, they often came back to mind. And so I'm, I'm really grateful for them and their faithfulness. The Lord just really surprised us a little over six years ago. And it became really obvious that this is where he wanted us. And part of that was because of the need for the gospel in Vermont, kind of like you, Ben Rule. I had wanted to be a missionary before, and for different reasons, it didn't seem like it was the time or, or maybe the best fit for us to be a missionary in a foreign field, but there was that missionary heart in both uh, my wife, Melanie, and I. And so when we heard about New England, I remember seeing, uh, seeing a booth that talked about ministry in New England one time at a seminary and thinking, boy, I... It must be really hard to serve there, but good for those people. But it, it never, ever crossed my mind to move 3,000 miles away. And God just got our hearts. And part of what encouraged us to come here was actually the camaraderie that we're experiencing now. I didn't have that, but I had heard that churches who are serious about the gospel in New England, at least six years ago when we came, uh, there was the reputation as I talked to some different people that churches were willing to work together often and, and kind of there was a sense of we're on the same team for the Lord. And that's part of what I love about small town summits. Absolutely. Being involved here. Mm. Tim, I'm so glad you came from Washington. I, and, and Stephen, isn't it interesting? Here you and I are second generation small town uh, pastor sons. And so here we are. And then but God's called someone from Texas and Washington State, and Georgia, and uh, that just, that's, you know, Lord keeps sending them because uh, we need workers, but thank you, Tim, for making the making the 3,000-mile um, decision. One of the uh, things we've all learned from you, David, is um, to pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest field, so our church prays now for people, not just from outside of New England, but definitely from outside New England and people from within New England to be raised up to... Mm -hmm to ministry. Yeah. yeah, David, that's something I was actually going to share a little bit later, but since it came up now, uh, that encouragement to pray for workers for the harvest, um, I think most recently hearing you talk about that in Connecticut, I have an alarm on my phone that goes off every day at two o'clock. I'm praying for more workers for the harvest for New England. So thank you for that. Yeah, I'm getting credit for what Jesus said. I think it's crazy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> hey, you prayed. That's All right, Jesus. Jesus. That just means you're doing it right, buddy. That's mm. that, that just Quote means... Jesus, you do okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Man, I it's it's interesting hearing Ben and Tim talk about uh, feeling called to the mission field and then the Lord rerouting them because that's our exact story. I grew up in a home. My dad was an itinerant, still is an itinerant preacher. So he's we never had um, like a, a church that he pastored. He always traveled and spoke. My family lived off of uh, the support of the church my whole life. So 
it was ingrained in us from a young age. Um, God's word was exalted. Christ was honored in our home. So from a very young age, I wanted to be a preacher like my dad. And then when I got to high school, I found out that not everybody who loves Jesus needs to be a preacher. This was like news to me. I just thought like, well, this is what you do. So I thought, okay, well, um, a buddy and I decided we're going to go to the University of Georgia. We're going to get business degrees. We're going to be salt and light in, in the business world. And the Lord was rerouting me kind of like um, Saul going on a search for the donkey. It was never really about the donkey, but he was going to use that um, to lead him into his ultimate calling. And so I uh, went to University of Georgia, ended up getting uh, a degree in accounting. And while I was there, really did feel like the Lord was reaffirming that call to pastoral ministry. What I thought um, was going to be proclaiming Christ where he was not named and thought that that was going to take me to um, unreached people groups overseas. And um, I'm fast forwarding a lot. At the same time, we really appreciated ministries that trained indigenous peoples that were going into foreign contexts, planting churches, raising up indigenous leaders, and then handing off those churches. And um, so I took a class in seminary after I got out of school at Georgia, um, pursuing this kind of open calling. I remember searching for uh, job positions in like closed countries, uh, using an accounting degree, thinking that that was going to be how like I served the Lord was to get in uh, the door with a business visa and then, um, you know, do ministry overseas. Uh, but I took a class called church evangelism that was on church planting. And I don't know where I thought churches came from before that. I promise I'd read the book of Acts, um, but it just didn't really cross my mind that people went into context and like saw churches started. So I took that class. Um, the very next summer was approached by a guy that, we were part of the same church when we were in high school and he was feeling that the Lord was leading him to plant a church, uh, in our town. So, um, we joined that effort and, um, kind of fell in love with making disciples in the context of church planting. Um, this was when Kayla and I first got married back in 2010. And then, um, eventually later that year, um, one of my, my very closest friend, had this sort of supernatural call to Wilmington, Vermont, it's a town of 2000 people. And you guys know, I've confessed this. I think I've confessed this on the podcast. I'm not from a small town. I've never really lived in a small town before I came here. So I'm like the poser of the group. Um, I just really like all you guys. So I just wanted to hang around. Um, and I, I realized to reach new England, we have to reach small towns. We have to plant churches in small towns if New England's going to be reached with the gospel. And so um, have a very vested interest in seeing small town ministries started and flourishing um, because this is the, the place where the Lord ended up calling us to. But um, long story short, we prayed for a long time about joining those friends. Um, the Lord broke our hearts at the time. Vermont was the least religious state in the country. Um, on average, only 2% of all of New England even attended an evangelical church. And those were the kind of stats and numbers that broke our hearts for the nations. And so we felt like the Lord was saying, you are the indigenous peoples here that understand the language and could quickly acclimate into the culture. And I'm calling you to reach the nations from the least reached part of your nation. Um, and so that has been 
um, the vision from uh, 2010, 2011 timeframe. And then it was just a matter of timing of the Lord bringing us to Brattleboro. And um, it's been seven years now um, since he brought us to Brattleboro. And there's a, a longer story of how he broke our heart for this town specifically and how he uh, affirmed his direction. And maybe we'll get into that um, on a different episode. But uh, I was so excited to see something that was Christ exalting and doctrinally robust happening in Vermont when you guys were hosting the uh, summit in South Royalton. So I think Tim, that was your first exposure to it uh, too. So um, was, I actually, my, my wife actually saw the article on the gospel coalition site about Maine, uh, apparently the small town seminar. And I was just, she actually asked me, had, had you heard of this? I said, no. And then it was not long after that, that we heard about it coming to Vermont. And yeah, same thing, Ben. It was so exciting to be in a room of that many gospel workers from different denominations also, and, in, and from so many different small towns across the region. Yeah. And this is just kind of funny. It's funny looking back on it now. Um, so uh, I'll try to make this shorter, but I think what's awesome is to honor and respect guys from a distance when you don't know them and then to honor and respect them more once you do know them. Hmm. So I had heard of both David Pinckney and Stephen Whitmer before that. Um, David through, uh, I mean, you're only like one or two degrees of connection away from David Pinckney in terms <laughs> of guys that have been mentored and <laughs> shepherded by him in our little region right so i'm yeah. in southern vermont david's in concord and and so i had heard of david from other guys that had just loved him from a mentee standpoint and stephen um i had read articles from on desiring god and um that was just a coincidental kind of thing but i knew of you from that and respected you from that just by one degree of connection from john piper who outside of my family has probably influenced my walk with Jesus more than any other person. Yeah. Um, and so I thought, man, this is really exciting that there's something that this, um, that's this doctrinally sound that's happening in Vermont and uh, was so pleased to go. And, to, and I think it's that surprise that all of us experience when we come to a summit, we're not alone. There's a lot mm -hmm. of guys here that I don't know. I thought I knew every Christian in Vermont, yeah. you know, and, and, it was so encouraging. And, um, and then I ended up coming to the all new England summit and you guys invited, um, Tim and I to join the team at that point. And it has just been such a joy. Um, you know, I think one of the, uh, and I'll get to an interesting fact, but I do, I want to honor you guys because this team has like zero posturing, zero vain ambition. It's just a, a bunch of guys who genuinely love Jesus, who are humble and want to see him glorified through our small lives in these small places. And um, I've said that before on this uh, about Stephen and David, but equally true of Ben and Tim, just so nourishing to be around you guys. Mm -hmm. I always walk away refreshed in the gospel um, mm -hmm. and encouraged in my walk with Jesus. And it's, it's especially something to praise God for when you hear about abusive cultures and abusive leadership structures or um, like what you see on stage is something different than what you get in 
interpersonal dynamics. And uh, so it's just been a real joy. Um, I have loved getting to be part of something that I'm not uh, leading and that's nourishing for me to get to be a part of on the side before I get back into the really hard, beautiful work of pastoring. So it's been really life-giving for me. Can I say, Ben, as well, I, I just feel like, uh, you know, God, God, we all believe God is sovereign. He, he directs every detail of our lives. So there's no detail he's not directing. And yet um, sometimes he just makes it particularly clear that he's in something. I bet uh, all five of us would, would say there have been times where we have particularly felt his pleasure and his gifting uh, his leading in our church or in our families. Um, and it, it feels like that's a, a special gift when it happens. I can think yeah. of several times in the life of our church where we have, we've not really been sure what pace to go at or what the next thing is. And then, and then we he's just made it clear. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I bet everyone listening to this podcast could say the same thing. And, and I, I have felt uh, in some ways like, we, you know, this is a it's a it's a microcosm of the way our action works together with God's sovereignty. We have worked hard at small town summits and, you know, we've we've tried to spread the word about summits and we followed up with people. And yet the whole time it really has there's been the sense that God is in this and he's the one moving it and even to bring us together as part of a leadership team and the unique gifts of each of these guys and the affection that we enjoy it. uh, I just hope that every pastor everywhere gets to experience something like this. You know, maybe it won't look exactly the same, but just that, that kind of um, the joy of partnering together with people you respect and care deeply about. Yeah. And it's not just part, it's not just the, um, I mean, I'm a part of some minister, uh, group communities where we pray for each other and love each other and support each other. Uh, but this is a group of, of guys who, who work together for the spread of the gospel. You know, there's, there's intentionality, there's, there's direction to it. And that's, that's just such a blessing to be together for a purpose that's bigger than us. Yeah. And it's, it has been really neat to see, uh, the varied giftedness and how the Lord uses those things. Um, Steven's like the most productive ninja-like person I've ever met. Amen. And Amen. You're the Amen. only person who's ever likened me to a ninja, Ben. <laughs> Your face. I mean, you, he doesn't have an off switch, which is just amazing. Um, and it's not like Ben and I joke around. I don't know if Steven knows that he gets joked around behind the scenes, but it's all in love, you know? It's like, yeah, he's just it's it's not just like you put out a lot like i could put out a lot of content but it's not going to be that awesome <laughs> like, uh as has been denoted by this podcast it's been demonstrated so um anyways so it's it's just been good and even when we came up with the idea of this podcast ben was like man i could i could produce it and i love being behind the scenes but you know, I don't really have any interest in sitting down and asking questions and i was like man producing it sounds like a lot of work but i like sitting down and talking to people so it hadn't been like this rocket science kind of thing it's just like hey can you run your mouth and ask questions all right you're up so plus plus ben um, Whitting, you have the sweetest voice on the mm-hmm. team it just smooth it's it's peanut smooth, butter. Peanut but people don't know that it's just all been rules editing it's just yeah he just edits it makes it sound different um anyways interesting fact about me um I have six children with a seventh on the way. So I've officially hey, the most on the team. 
And um, so we are being fruitful and multiplying. And uh, I do think it's a, kind of a unique fact that the Lord did have me um, start uh, in a career in commercial real estate. And when he called us to plant a church, he just supernaturally, this just would never happen. It's like an investment banking kind of environment. And they let me go to two days a week part-time so that I could work bivocationally from a distance. So I still have a job that's based out of Atlanta, Georgia, um, that the Lord is still providing through. And it's been eight years of that. So um, my side hustle is commercial real estate analysis and spend a lot of time in spreadsheets and financial mm. statements and then um, get to turn around and shepherd the flock of God. Um, in, in what was told before, uh, hand to us was one of the hardest and darkest towns in New England and it's become home and a place that we love and we love to minister in and um, are just so hungry to see yeah more labors for the harvest and um, I think a lot of people when they when they hear of New England they still think uh, bed and breakfasts Ivy League schools uh, white collar affluent they don't picture uh, Wyndham County, Vermont, where I am being listed as the sixth least religious county in the United States. Um, and so we have a desperate need for people listening to this podcast that are outside of New England to come to New England to join us in the work. Amen. And we have desperate need of people who are in New England um, who are listening to this to catch a vision of partnering together with other churches for planting more churches because New England needs gospel laborers. And I know that's part of what uh, the summits are designed to produce is more partnerships for the sake of a greater spread of the gospel. Mm -hmm. So let's transition. Um, I want to look back across since sort of the genesis of small town summits, we've had gatherings and events, a lot of articles that have been published. This is our eighth podcast episode. So there's a lot of content. What has stood out to you guys as um, some of the themes that the Lord's brought to the surface or some of the wins that you've seen um, in the history of this ministry to date? What are some of the things that you've gleaned or that you have appreciated of what the Lord has done? You know, for me, as somebody who came onto the leadership team after Small Town Summits was already moving, for me, a big part of it was seeing that the Lord is doing more than we think. And what I mean by that is, you know, like Ben, you were just talking about the Brattleboro, the town that you're in, and, and I'm in Manchester, which has, you know, more the appearance of kind of the beautiful little Vermont town. And yet there's so many people who don't know Jesus. And our town had this impression from Christians from the outside of kind of a black hole. And yet we're seeing the Lord do amazing things here. And uh, I don't think that I, sometimes I wonder what I've had the perseverance to be here for six years. Uh, I, I don't know how, how God works. You know, there's so many factors, but I often think back to why does God still have me here? What are some of the ways and people that he used to keep us here for, for this time? And I still think back to that summit in Vermont and just being so encouraged that 
it's okay to preach a sermon to 35 people or 65 people or a hundred people or whatever it is that God gives you, but just to be faithful and to keep reaching out. And my story could be multiplied by really the thousands across small towns in New England. And that's what we get to do in the summits. That's why I'm so excited to be back in person with some of the summits we have coming up because we hear those stories and I'm just blown away by what God is doing in New England. So just this last Sunday, we had a pastor and his wife visit who were in the, the region, you know, Vermont for about 40 years. And she made a comment that on the way to church, they were talking about uh, what are some of the ways that we know the Lord's at work in New England still. And I told them about small town summits because just immediately I, in my mind, I have all these pastors and ministry leaders that we've met who are just a small representation of what the Lord's doing. And it's really incredible to be part of. And we, uh, our family is, is reading through first Timothy after dinners uh, in the evening. And yesterday we read the, the little paragraph on deacons and we read First uh, Timothy 3.13, for those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. And I've kind of puzzled over that and mulled over it for many years, uh, trying to understand exactly what Paul's talking about there. But I think at least part of what he means is that when you serve other people well, when you serve as a deacon, other people, when you do that well to the glory of Christ, they see it, and so you gain a good standing for yourself among other people. And also, when you're really giving of yourself and laying yourself out and you're needing to trust in Christ to meet your needs and supply you so that you can overflow to others, and you do that, and God comes through for you, and he helps you, and he resources you, and he gives you joy, even in sacrifice, you grow in confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. And I, I think I see that as very applicable to many, many, many of the, the people we have met through small town summits. Uh, they are uh, maybe not broadly known, but where they are serving, they have a good standing and they, they are confident too in the faith. I think, you know, just as, as Tim was saying, that's one of the big takeaways for me, just, you know, knowing in my head, yeah, I'm sure there are lots of faithful people throughout new England. Mm-hmm. Um, but then actually seeing them, meeting them, seeing how uh, how how warm, warmly pastoral they are, how how they're walking with God, how they're creative and um, they're persevering, those things, that's been enormously encouraging to me. And then I think as well, I think Ben Whittinghill, you alluded to this earlier, um, seeing the fall of lots of large church pastors. It doesn't mean large churches are bad or necessarily flawed, but it sure has made me feel extra thankful that God knows the, the kind of venue, the kind of situation where I'm going to flourish and um, he knows what I can take, what I can bear. And he, that's what he's given to me. Um, and I think we've seen that so many times over in the churches and with the pastors we have met um, that, that they are flourishing in those situations. And, I see a lot of a lot of arguments for why 
lots of churches close to people are preferable than a few churches, really big churches far from people. Mm-hmm. It's something that David actually said in the Vermont summit goes back to what you just said, Stephen. Uh, he said, if God wanted Tim Keller in your town, he would have put Tim Keller in your, in your town, but he put you in your town. I needed that then. I think I need that more often than, than I should. <laughs> I said that, man. Yeah, it was good stuff, man. It was really good. <laughs> That one was actually you yeah. and not Jesus. Oh. That was a, <laughs> that was straight, straight up me, yeah. you. <laughs> hey, I, I just want to contribute a, a thought here that um, having pastored here for 30, well, 34 years, but uh, so 29 years in New Hampshire, I was out, out of the state for five years. Um, I'm just so optimistic about what Jesus is doing. I think we're just beginning to see what he is doing. And I think as we continue to pray and serve one another and promote healthy um gospel doctrine that then helps produce healthy gospel culture. Um, as they say at dessert time, the best is yet to come. And I, I am more excited about the, the, the kingdom of God and the, the work of Jesus in new England I've ever been. And, and that's not, that's not, I'm not smoking anything. I'm just like, I really see it. You know, I see it. Um, and to see who God is bringing here to see, conversions you know it's slow but people are coming to christ uh and and we we were i was talking with our our church playing resident pastor this morning and and thinking about what is it what does it mean to see um small churches have a convert and how does that happen and 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 we kind of worked out this little thought like well people have to be gospel people in the sense that they're living out of the joy of the gospel It, it just has to be who and then you 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 have to have this gospel culture where anybody is welcome to church and that they are well received with warmth and, and regardless of where they are in their journey. And then the gospel has to be sprinkled throughout all of our messages because the Bible is all about Christ and Christ is all about coming to save sinners. So you can't, you just can't miss that. It has, it can't be tagged on. It has to be worked out from the text to a preacher. And finally, we have to have gospel desperation and that returns us back to prayer that we just continually ask God to send workers and that we would see more fruit of the, of the harvest. We have no control over the soil or the season, but we can indiscriminately spread the gospel seeds and see what God will do. Amen. Good word. Man, I think there's a lot that I have personally been encouraged by in the course of attending summits and just being on the team with you guys. I think, the thing that stands out the most from that first summit that really grabbed my my heart and my attention was that the gospel by itself and the Lord Jesus and obedience to him is worth my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. Stephen, there's that alabaster jar kind of moment where it's like, look, you're if Jesus calls you to this small town, it's worth your entire life. He he is so valuable and obedience to him is so valuable that you can forget yourself and lose yourself in obedience to Jesus. And um, there's been a lot of the same uh, kind of encouragement. I think about an online breakout that David led and you just are left wondering like, how can I be as joyful as David is when I'm David's age still in the game? And he talked about this faithful endurance and loving Jesus to the end. And um, you know, he's not anywhere close to the end, but he's, we don't know that in a, in a real, in a real way, 
He's been through so many more seasons than I have. He's talking about pastoring for 35 years here and he still loves Jesus. And he's still saying things like the best is yet to come or talks like from John Heinley, who is in a small town in England of all places. And he's encouraging us around obedience to Jesus and faithfulness. And, you know, Stephen, something that you say often is like the very nature of what we're doing means that if we do a, a small town summit 2.0 in New Hampshire and 35 people show up, it can be a win because we're not measuring things by grandeur size. It's it, this is a win yeah. um, because it was effective in what Jesus called us to do. Mm-hmm. And so I think that whole body of faithful endurance with joy and obeying Jesus in the small thing that he's called you to do and shepherding the flock of God among you, not looking beyond the flock to some future ministry, some future season, but just being content with small obedience and small faithfulness Mm. has been to me, the fruit of this ministry, the fruit of these conversations that I get to have with these, like, it's amazing. I get to have these podcast conversations with these pastors and see that embodied. Um, And I feel just selfish and privileged to get to have the privilege of sitting down and, and hearing about people that found Jesus to be worth their lives mm-hmm. in little places that you wouldn't have heard about otherwise mm-hmm. and get to sit down and have conversations with them and fellowship saying, yes, he's worth yeah. it. I got to say, Ben, the, the podcast conversations have been so good for my own soul. And I, I don't, I listen to them along with everyone else. I don't hear them before, mm-hmm. before they, they drop. And so, you know, some of those, conversations these these are these are heroes yeah uh, that that conversation with keith greer was so deeply encouraging to me or andrew bermudez up there ripping it up in uh in dexter maine i mean that guy is just a machine and you kind of go man i he, he, it's just amazing yeah so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. He, even yeah. even to think about keith greer and andrew bermudez they they are so such different people mm. and they they're, they're gifted so uniquely and I think that too is, has been a, a, an encouragement for me to see it, mm-hmm. there isn't anyone who can do everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and God has gifted some people with enormous creativity and some people with great intelligence and some people with, with great vision and leadership skills. And, and he sprinkles it around. Mm-hmm. And we see that in, uh, among all the small town pastors that we're meeting. Um, I think being, maybe I'm growing a little bit and being able to just lay down the uh, the need to do everything and and just realize, hey, I'm I'm very limited and I can do what God's gifted me to do, and then look mm-hmm. look to to Him to work through other people in different ways. Just appreciate that. Well, normally we close out with, hey, give everybody a word of encouragement or parting word. Um, so maybe you guys can do that, but also just talk through future hopes for small town summits, what you're praying for uh, God to do with regards to this ministry or just the spread of the kingdom of God in New England. So I'll start, Tim, I'll, I'll, I'll start small. Okay. My hope for the future small town summits is really that we continue to do what we're already doing um, in the summit specifically. I feel like I always come back to my church and the following Sunday uh, get to say to them, man, if you guys knew what God was doing around New England, uh, you would be so encouraged because it's pretty easy when we're in our small uh, places 
to look around and only see the fruit of our church and be like, man, there's just not much going on here. And then hopelessness comes from that. You go to these small town summits and you realize, no, God is working. He's just not working through you. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's humbling or sorry, I, sh I shouldn't say it like it. He's working so far beyond what he's doing here. Uh, and so while we could go to gatherings of other pastors and feel bad about ourselves, man, we're not doing what these other guys are doing. We go to a summit and feel encouraged saying, wow, God is working all around New England. And that's, I always come back so much more invigorated to do the ministry he's given me. So my prayer is that he would just continue to do that through these events. I get to serve as the content manager for Small Town Summit articles, and I'm excited about what the Lord will continue to do with our articles in the future. We've been putting out about one article a month, sometimes a little bit more, for just over two years now. And almost with every article, I get to a point, whether it's the first reading uh, or somewhere along the line, where I realize as I read it that I'm not editing it at that moment, I'm being ministered to as a small town pastor. And that's what gets me excited about just trying to get these articles into more hands mm -hmm. and to be able to give a platform where more people can hear what God has put on their heart. So that that's exciting to see that. And we're hoping to see that expand as well. We're talking about publishing a book and giving another opportunity to small town pastors to be able to speak and encourage others in a different way. Mm. As we think about other ways that we're going to grow, I think one other way is to, um, it, it, as God might be pleased to, to raise up um, some, some gifted, experienced, seasoned pastors or planters um, and allow us to be connecting some of those pastors and planters with younger pastors and planters in, uh, in more coaching. Um, and we, we, one of the things we love is to gather people on these summits, and they're, they're usually local because we want ongoing relationship. And this might be another way that we can provide more resourcing between and after the summits um, where we, we connect people who may be in a position to offer guidance and wisdom and prayer and um, that, that, that I think that could be another good way to, to grow the ministry. And I'm just going to drop uh, Colossians 1.11 that says through the power of his might, we might endure with patience and joy. Yeah. I hope I still have another couple decades of ministry, but the end at the end, the closer you get to Jesus, both in, in your walk, but also in time, like, I'm closer to G. I've been walking with Jesus since the seriously since I was 14. I really came to know Jesus when I was four years old, and I don't shy away from that. That's like a glorious work of God in a child. But as you endure, you do it by His might, and it increases your joy. If you try to endure by your own strength, you become miserable. But He promises, as we call out to Him, that through the power of His might, we would endure with patience and joy. Yeah. And I would just say that. The true desire of every heart that's on this call right now is to encourage pastors mm -hmm. to that end and to encourage lay leaders to that end. That's the goal of every article, every podcast, every summit is we want to see people nourished with the gospel for a continued faithful endurance with joy. And it's been really sweet to hear uh, that that has been the fruit 
of a lot of summits and guys just saying, man, I need more of this. It's been awesome to see guys stay connected from summits and to see friendships and new partnerships form from that already. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I would just encourage people that this is a, it's a team effort. That's why it's called small town summits is because we want uh, people that are listening to this podcast to be guests on the podcast, to write articles that are going to be used with a long shelf life because you understand ministry in this context, you understand the challenges. And if you have a word of encouragement for other people, this is a ministry for you to join us in and to be part of, to come to summits, not just thinking, man, I really need encouragement right now. Uh, Come to summits if you feel that way, but also come to summits if you feel like, man, I've got a lot that the Lord, I may not be seeing a lot with the fruit of my hands, but I'm experiencing a lot of intimacy and joy from the Lord Jesus in the midst of ministry. And I want to go encourage people and let them know that they're not alone and let them know that Jesus is worthy of Mm -hmm. us continuing and being faithful in ministry. So let's get after it together. What a joy to get to do ministry with people that you love. I really respect those guys and uh, am looking forward to continuing to serve pastors and lay leaders in New England with them. Uh, I want you to know that we have summits coming up in the month of October. So on October 16th, we're going to be in northern Vermont uh, near St. Johnsbury. And if you're in the Vermont area, northern Vermont or Northwest New Hampshire. Uh, We hope that you will register for that on our website and come out and be a part of uh, that and the Restore New England event that's the night before. Um, That's an amazing time to gather to pray for revival in New England. And then we are also uh, having our Rhode Island Summit October 21st. That's a Thursday. You can find more information about both of those on our website, smalltownsummits.com. Until next time, may the Lord Jesus bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. May he lift up his countenance on you and be gracious to you and give you his peace in Jesus.